0: This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Ann Hazlett, assistant to the Secretary for Rural Development at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. See how we're focusing on our one planet with six commitments. See the Good Growth Plan on the web at www.goodgrowthplan.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Ann Hazlett next. Next. Syngenta's Good Growth Plan is about the biggest challenge facing humanity, feeding a growing population. Syngenta's Good Growth Plan is about six commitments to make crops more efficient, rescue more farmland, help biodiversity flourish, reach and empower smallholders, help people stay safe, and to look after every worker throughout the entire supply chain network. One planet, six commitments. Learn more at www.goodgrowthplan.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. There were plenty of skeptics at Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue's restructuring of USDA to eliminate the Undersecretary for Rural Development post and instead appoint an assistant to work directly with him on rural matters. Secretary Purdue chose Ann Hazlett for the new post, and she's proving her skills as an effective leader in this important new role, both at USDA and with the recent Interagency Task Force on Agriculture and Rural Development.
1: Well, I understand there has been anxiety with change. Um, I can just say that I've approached this position full throttle um, with nothing less than 110% commitment for those who know Secretary Purdue, he is very much an all in kind of leader, and i he inspires those that are on his team to really carry that out each day. He's very much a hands on manager. Uh, I remember when I first had the privilege of beginning as part of his team, he said to me that he's not a micromanager, but he's a hands- on manager. He's a lifelong businessman and likes to make decisions in a very methodical and data driven manner and so have really enjoyed this opportunity to work hand-in-hand with him. I have a deep passion for small towns and believe that many communities are at a crossroads right now. It's a pivotal time to serve in this capacity, um, no matter what title is on a business card.
0: As I recall from the secretary as he was speaking before the agriculture committees and testimony, was that he asked, just watch for a year and see if you're not pleased with what's going on. Some would argue, and I think he would even in that statement, that rural development is actually getting more attention now in this new system than it would have before.
1: I think one thing that has been an absolute upshot for rural development is to have an immediate leader. I've been able to dive right in and get to work right away, uh, not waiting for a confirmation process to play out. We have communities that are very much in need. We have communities also that are facing new opportunities, and they need resources that can come alongside them to maximize on on a vision for a brighter future.
0: Almost no sooner than the Secretary was sworn in to lead the Department of Agriculture, the President appointed him uh, to chair the Task Force on Rural Prosperity. What was the universe of gathering data, and what was your role in that, in?
1: Well, the, the President's effort of creating this interagency task force on ag and rural prosperity was an opportunity to bring together a wide swath of federal departments and agencies across the government. I believe we had 22 different agencies at the table, all with resources for rural. And my role in assisting the secretary in carrying out his leadership capacity was to chair a work group that was focused on quality of life. The, the focus on rural prosperity really identified four different key uh, contributing factors to rural prosperity, quality of life, workforce development, innovation, and economic development. We ended up identifying a fifth um, throughout the course of our work, which is uh, broadband connection or e-connectivity as we have developed the term. And there were work groups that were built around each of those four different issues.
0: This was on a fast track, six months of work. Do you think the report was exhaustive enough to give a picture, and do you think those involved, that your conclusions are valid data for really what's going on in rural America?
1: I believe that the report serves an immediate function in giving the federal government opportunities to focus and take take action, but there's also a broader purpose and benefit to this report that I have since gotten to see since I have been out on the road since the recommendations have been put out, and that was really to create a roadmap for all interests, whether you're at the federal, state, or local level, or tribal communities, um, focusing on rural prosperity. It really serves as a roadmap to align the federal government with these different partners that will, in a way, that will enable us to take advantage of the opportunities in rural America and to address some of the. Challenges that are there.
0: Can you summarize some of the disparity that might be between urban and rural America? And is, are there geographical influences here as well?
1: I think abs- the first disparity that comes to mind that is really foundational to everything else that we saw in the report is that of access to high speed broadband connectivity. The secretary likes to say that this is the electricity of the modern era. It's a digital superhighway. That connection influences so much of what an individual will experience in whether it's quality of life or in their economic opportunity, everything from the access to advanced learning opportunities to workforce training, um, certainly to markets, if I'm a new business an additional area that I would say we see a disparity and, and is an important um, in quality of life and it really affects everything else in someone else's existence is access to modern health care, and both of those issues were lifted up in the quality of life work group. How do
0: we approach the process? I mean, this is obviously not something that's going to be solved overnight. How do we begin to make things better?
1: Well, we had a wide range of partners that came to the table with respect to quality of life. We had... Some of the agencies that you would expect, HHS, um, FCC uh, was very much at the table because of the connection to, no pun intended, to broadband connectivity, with Treasury, um, but we also um, had representation from HUD and SBA, Department of Education, so there was a wide range of interests at the table. There was a, a broad swath of discussion, but I would take the discussion really coming back to two different central points broadband connectivity and healthcare access, we ultimately came forward with um, recommendations in really six different areas that I think um, really speak to all of the factors that go into creating quality of life in a small town everything from the education opportunities that our students um, have access to, to the quality of housing that is in these communities that make people uh, want to stay there. Transportation access was an issue that came up, whether it's transportation to goods um, or services such as healthcare. care. Uh, we talked also about the need for resiliency planning for some of these communities. One of the challenges we see in rural America is that they are often vulnerable to sudden downturns whether it's a change in the weather, as we saw this year with three historic hurricanes, one right after another, or to something that isn't isn't man-made but is unexpected, like a sudden plant closing where maybe two-thirds of the community is employed in a single plant. And when that plant goes away, the quality of life in that town is going to look dramatically different when we have high levels of unemployment.
0: I think there may have been a perception by some, the fact that the Secretary of Agriculture chaired this, then all of these areas would be resolved by the Department of Agriculture, and some maybe just in a farm bill. But I think you proved more and more that this is not just a farm bill, this is not just a USDA, this is all of government.
1: Absolutely. One of the things that was very educational for me in this experience was just seeing first the broad swath of departments and agencies that we have in the federal government far beyond usda that have resources committed to rural but when we step out of washington we also have important partnerships at that state and local level and those might be government but importantly those might also be in the private sector
0: when we talk about the e-connectivity and broadband with american farm bureau convention in january the president signing some executive orders does that mean it's done or does that mean it's just the first step
1: there is a lot of work to be done in this space, and it is a top priority for Secretary Purdue as well as this administration. Depending on the data that you look at, uh, there's some statistics that suggest 40% of rural Americans lack access to that quality and consistent high-speed internet that is enjoyed by their peers that are living in the city. And again, we have to do better because connectivity is truly foundational to rural prosperity. At USDA, I would describe our approach as really a three-prong effort at this juncture. First, I think what we've been touching on with the Rural Prosperity Task Force, finding and driving that greater collaboration in the federal family, whether it's from a resource level or a policy standpoint. A second uh, prong that I would highlight is improving the management of our own programs at USDA We have uh, two loan programs and a grant program, and we have been doing a deep dive to see how we can have those tools be more um, easily accessed by communities as well as be more effective once implemented. And then lastly, we've been spending time looking at how we can innovate in the deployment of this critical infrastructure, both in terms of the technology that's out there, and then as importantly, in terms of the partners who can help us connect some of these forgotten places across the country. For example, are the rural electric cooperatives um, an, an entity that is really um, a viable force going forward to help deliver this, this infrastructure much in the way they, they electrified the country?
0: When I think about broadband, a lot of the easy has already been resolved. Uh, There are some areas that are more challenging. And then it was a wonder, are there technologies that would allow to bring this service without having to have poles and wire and running through some amazingly challenging parts of the country?
1: Absolutely. I have now had the opportunity to travel to 21 states, and from those travels have been able to see firsthand just how dramatically different the geography can be in some of these places that need to be connected. And so, to your point, uh, poles and wires will not be the solution for every community. And so I think the challenge for us as policymakers that are responsible for stewarding resources that go across 50 states all could have very different needs is to make sure that we are not approaching this in a one-size-fits-all manner that's going to leave certain communities still without access. What
0: about the relationship of public-private partnership? Is that a viable option for some of these?
1: Yeah that that goes to this notion of innovation and how we deploy this critical infrastructure. I think the secretary is very interested in obviously looking at the existing partnership models that are there, best practices and seeing how we can do more of that, but also looking at maybe some of the new partners that have not been brought to the table, but the need for this infrastructure has reached a point we now have so much that is depending on it whether it's your banking or it's your healthcare access or it's your kids homework online. How do we bring new people to the table to truly solve this challenge?
0: Tax reform has already been accomplished by the Congress and signed by the President. Are there additional areas, another layer of this, that would help in economic development?
1: Absolutely. You saw last week that President Trump unveiled his proposal for investment in modern infrastructure package to be considered by Congress. Um, This was certainly broader than rural America, but the proposal would include a substantial investment in rural communities, 25% of the proposed funding, again, all because we see robust modern infrastructure as a necessity, not an amenity for rural prosperity, whether it's the opportunities you know, that can only be realized with transportation to keep the goods that we produce in rural America, whether they are the commodities that are grown in a field or the widgets that are produced in a factory. We need the transportation to move those commodities out of rural America and into the markets for which they have been produced, or if it's connectivity, which, again, is that foundation for quality of life. We also think that many challenges of rural communities, you know, can become more manageable, with infrastructure, which then connects them to the, to the rest of the country and the world.
0: We've seen plants and industry uh, looking for areas to expand to the country, and and one of the things they always look for is the available workforce and and the quality of the workforce that is available. What did you identify in these areas, and how do we make rural areas uh, more appeasing for where industry can grow?
1: We saw a number of things with respect to workforce. Um, First, we believe that it's critically important to the future of a community. You know, to grow and prosper, every community is going to need jobs, both for the residents that live there and then for the employers that are either currently there or we hope will come. We need them to have access to qualified individuals to fill the needs that they have. Uh, when we looked at the workforce, I think we first recognized that many rural areas areas are more economically diverse than they were in the past. Um, so are we training a workforce up that can meet those needs? Uh, there was discussion about doing a data-driven analysis of employee skills and jobs requirements to make sure that curricula and training programs that are being offered best really serve the employer's productivity goals that are there. Uh, We also talked about how many of those skills are developed um, much earlier in an individual's life, not just when they're an adult and they're ready for, for work. So how far back in that educational system are we going? Are we doing career mapping starting back in the grade school level and seeing again what are the needs for the current employer and the employer of the future, and then how are we preparing our workforce to meet those needs?
0: This process of evolution. And is it just a farm bill? Is it just this Congress how long is this road, and and who are the hands who come to the table to address the issues that have been identified?
1: I think that... The type of issues that we have raised in the Prosperity Task Force report are much longer than the duration of a Farm Bill or of this Congress or, quite frankly, of this administration. Um, many of these issues that have been identified are not new. I think what is new about the Prosperity Task Force is that it has them all um, in a in an identifiable place and it's easy. I know I've now done two Prosperity roundtables: one in Wisconsin, one in North Dakota, out in the the in the communities since this task force recommendation report was released. And you can quickly see how, whether you're working with state or local leaders, um, they too identify with many of the themes that have been raised. I think an important, as we as leaders go forward to implementing solutions to around these challenges, is to recognize who are we bringing alongside us, in these conversations are we bringing along that next generation who we want to stay in these communities and are we inviting them to the table to be part of the of the of a solution
0: it's one thing for an administration to embrace this but you really need buy-in from congress and you need buy-in from both sides of the aisle have you been received
1: Absolutely, we've had an opportunity to begin a dialogue about the, about the report particularly and the recommendations in it particularly because the authorizing side of Congress with respect to the, the ag and rural interests have certainly been turning their attention to the Farm Bill and looking for some of the things that we have learned through these recommendations as perhaps Um, insight that they would take into account as they look either at changes to existing programs or look at creating new tools to assist communities.
0: What happens if this Congress and congressional leaders to come and if administrations after this fail to recognize the findings of this report? What happens to the country?
1: I think that the dialogue that a report like this brings on across leaders whether it's leaders here in Washington that can bring change to rural communities outside of cooperation from government partner um, or it's conversations that happen at that state, state and local level, rural America emerges stronger because there's a focused conversation on what the opportunities are, what some of the challenges are, and we're convening resources that can can then move forward with implementation for success but what happens if they do nothing the conversation itself has still brought value to the table because it's identified priorities
0: and Hazlett, we want to thank you very much for taking time from your busy schedule to spend with us here on open mic and it is open mic and you have an open forum
1: well thank you for the opportunity to be here today i just want to share what an exciting time it is to serve in this role at Rural Development, um, Secretary Purdue is a businessman first, and he's a man of action, and he's put, been pushing each of us on his team daily with that charge. Um, he's really tasked us with two goals for rural development, and the first is that we would work efficiently and effectively and with a focus on our rural customer Secondly, is that we will facilitate rural prosperity and economic development. And with that focus, we have three simple priorities, infrastructure, um, partnerships, and innovation. In the infrastructure space, um, we believe that this is a critical priority to tackle. Um, Robust modern infrastructure is not merely an amenity. It's a necessity for economic opportunity and quality of life in any community, but particularly rural America where many towns do not have the tools for connection um, to the modern economy i in mean, the partnerships and coordination space. Um, we believe that it's incredibly important, um, to focus, um, on existing relationship and to, relationships and to build new relationships, um, to address the needs and, and embrace the opportunities for rural America. We have two immediate opportunities for that. Um, First, we have our state directors. We now have 44 of our state rural development directors on board. They're off to a great start. Secretary Purdue really wants us to use these leaders in a new way, and that is to forge relationships with many new partners in economic development. That'll be an expectation, a way of doing business. Um, So, if If listeners have not yet connected with their state RD director, um, please make that outreach. And if you need help making that connection, we'd love to help you do that. And the second area of immediate opportunity to partner is really in this Rural Prosperity Task Force space. Um, The report of the recommendations that was released in January as we move forward in implementing those recommendations, we see this as a platform that will create opportunity for new partnerships at the federal, the state, and the local level, both in that private and public space. And then lastly, our priority, our focus on innovation. Here, Secretary Purdue has created a new Rural Development Innovation Center. Um, this is a team using existing resources in rural development that is really designed to hardwire innovation um, into our agency. Working alongside, we have a team that will be working alongside our agency administrators and our state directors. We really want to be more forward-thinking and better leverage our resources. We have a number of activities that this team will be focused on: um, data and uh, uh, Program performance analysis, Um, we're going to be looking at policies and trends, um, the need for regulatory relief, regulatory reform, both with respect to our own programs at USDA and then programs beyond USDA but that affect rural America. And then perhaps most exciting, a real focus on best practices on capacity building at that local level. again, all of this is being done through the lens of rural prosperity and better customer service, so we welcome partners to um, be in touch with us uh, so that we can work together um, to deliver innovation on the ground in these communities. And lastly, with respect to innovation, in addition to the Innovation Center, um, we're very interested in regulatory change. um, And we've been working with several partners on ideas that they have had for streamlining of our own processes as well as regulation. And we see this under Secretary Purdue's leadership as an opportunity for continuous improvement. So we very much welcome, again, um, suggestions from our partners as to how we can make our resources easier to access and how we can build greater prosperity in rural communities.
0: Our thanks to Ann Hazlett, Assistant to the Secretary for Rural Development at USDA. Our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. See how we're focusing on our one planet with six commitments. See the Good Growth Plan on the web at www.goodgrowthplan.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Alley.